uctoday.com. Hello and welcome to Out Loud. The podcast takes a bit of a different twist today. Normally we explore trends within the UC and collaboration technology and the different facets of them. And an area that's often neglected is, is the soft, squishy bit. That is the people that use the technology. The most important part of any technology platform, the users, are vital to success or failure of any deployment. So today we examine that crucial aspect. Amy Downs is Chief Customer Success and Happiness Officer at LifeSize, and we discuss the importance of culture and people power within any business. I started off by asking Amy why this is so important at LifeSize. When I first interviewed with Craig back in 2014, he said, Amy, we're going on this mission to create, as you know, going from a hardware manufacturer on-premise, um, uh, manufacturing these, these great video conferencing devices to being a SaaS-based company, um, he knew that uh, the culture needed to change. And so one of the things, um, you know, he could have said, I want you to come run my tech support department. And I probably would have said, that's not the right gig for me. But, um, but he didn't say that. He said, I need someone to come in and help me to change the culture of our company um, to be maniacally focused on customers. And so um, he really understood the link between that, the importance of that cultural aspect and being able to deliver on what we call customer obsession, which is um, which is really building a customer centric company, and uh, and so when I realized he he understood that link between the, the importance of the culture and, and making that cultural transformation, and being able to deliver on this this promise to our customers of, of customer obsession, that's when I was like, this is this is the right place for me. Well, and that that obviously links really well into our topic today. What, what we were looking at is. With fierce competition in hiring, it's becoming more and more important to address the needs of each employee to be successful. And a huge part, the company I worked at previously, culture was a, was a huge factor uh, in the business. And, and it's incredibly important, isn't it, for staff well-being and happy. That is, that's something really important when you know, trying to lure new employees into the organisation. Absolutely. We, um, you know, at Life Size, one of the things that we hire for is, um, is are people who have what I call service DNA. And, you know, when, when we made the transformation, it was, uh, you know, getting people to wrap their brains, especially we were in a two-tier distribution model. So for us, we had such a, such a huge separation from the end customer. It was really, really difficult for people to understand, like, how the job that they did impacted customers' lives. And so when when we very first started our journey to become customer obsessed, um, we had to do a lot of education to our employees about like what does that mean and um, and why is that important. And so we, we we spent a lot of time educating them on the importance of, of customer obsession and, and what it meant to them and how their work was really really important to that kind of overall goal of building this this customer centric environment and really delivering a great experience for customers and. You know, one of the things that I think a lot of companies miss is the fact that you know uh, delivering a great experience for customers is not just the um, it's not just the work of your customer support team, right, or your customer success team, or people who talk to the customers. It's everything. It's the way that they interact with your finance team when it comes to billing. It's the way that they inter- engage with the product. It's the stability of your service. It's um, uh, it's, you know, the, the engagement that they have with the marketing, um, material and, and your brand. And so 
um, you know, so that every single function across life size really has this impact on um, on the customer experience. And if we don't hire people, I mean, it all starts. Uh, I always think of good to great. You know, uh, the the foundation is your people. And if you don't have great people who kind of have that that core set of values just inside of them, um, then it's really those are those are traits that are very hard to train. And so what, what you want to do in the hiring process and what we've done is we're trying to find people who believe in, in the core values that we have. And so we have four. Customer obsession is, is certainly one of them. Um, but the others are acting with integrity, act with integrity and authenticity, um, drive relentless innovation and make every day matter. And so we're looking for people who kind of inherently have those 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 personality characteristics, and if there's a skill set gap, um, then we, you know, we're like, you know what, we can fill that because this person, you know, is they're driven, they're motivated, um, they're creative, you know, they uh, they they really love customers, and um, and and they they've got that really good, you know, kind of moral foundation, um, and they're the type of person we would want at life size. And so we hire just as much for culture and culture fit as we do for the skill set for the role. Yeah, I mean, you can you can always. It's easy for me to say, being untechnical, completely untechnical. You can always train people to do things, but getting that initial aptitude is obviously critical. I suppose we should we should we should start with. Do, do you think there the competition in hiring is is more fierce now than it ever has been? And what do you think the reasoning behind that is? And are, and are we talking just in in the in the tech industries, or are we talking across the board in general? So, um, so I would say across the board in, in general, um, you know, there's so many uh, blending of skills. And I think, you know, when it comes to uh, managing millennials, uh, you know, millennials are also, it's this, there's this very um, interesting kind of, uh, uh, I, I guess, trend that I see happening. And, um, you know, one of the things that, that I found are I, millennials are looking for um, experiences and getting expertise in multiple different areas. And so, from a growth perspective, I think that, um, and, and they're used to hopping jobs, right? So it's not, you know, they're not the, the lifers that, that we're used to seeing or people who are staying at jobs for 10 to 12 years. They they want to go out and get these really, um, you know, one or two years of experience, maybe in the, on a marketing team, and then another year or two in sales and another year or two over in, um, in customer success. And so I think, you know, as you're hiring and, and as the competition is fierce, you know, you've got to look at those uh, at the candidates that you're interviewing and try to understand who are those people and what are, what's going to be important to them, you know, when they, when they join your organization. Are they looking for um, that variety that, that we see with a lot of our millennials? And then how do you, you know, uh, how do you create your onboarding programs, your training programs, you know, all of the different um, we do some uh, what we call like shifting uh, internally, so letting folks work in different areas so that they get that you know that exposure to different um, to different vectors. And so I think you've got to come up with with concepts that are creative um, to help to to recruit um, employees because the, the market is tight. Um, we see it a lot in Austin. Um, we've got a lot of people. The Bay Area is getting, I think, so saturated and and so expensive <laughs> that a lot of those Bay Area companies, you know, come into uh, into Austin. Um, and so, not only do we see it in Austin, but we've got a very global team, so we see a lot of this also in in Europe. And it's you know, it's making sure that that you've got um, not just a compelling. Uh, it's not that it's just a compelling job, but the culture is compelling as well. And I think. You know, as we as you think about hiring, I think that's why culture is so important, because there's so many people out there today that 
you know, for them, you know, the, the, the job and a lifelong career is, is not that big of a, um, of a priority anymore. And it's really working with people that you like um, and getting experiences and, and having more of this kind of social engagement at work. And, and I think that's all about the culture. And, uh, and that's a big, a big way for, uh, for us, it's a, it's a huge differentiator when we're hiring because many people tell us the reason that we join is, um, you know, it was, it was not because of all the benefits or anything else. It was because they felt like they were joining a family. They feel like they're joining a family and, and, and that's a, that's a cultural aspect. And, and ju- just quickly, and I realize this is a much larger point and probably a discussion for a whole nother part. And, and I see that too with, I, d- I don't know if I get to class myself as a millennial, but I'm, I'm close that. In a lot of my peer group, pe- people are much more inclined to change jobs much more regularly than my parents' generation or generations before. Do you have any idea or any theories or any opinions on, on why that might be? Is that just because, and I hate to, it's just because people, you know, get bored so quickly now and the new generations and they just want to chop and change? Well, you know, I think I think there's... Um... I think what it kind of boils down to, at least what I've seen from from team members um, on my staff, you know, a lot of the, the people that um, that I hire are in tech support, customer success, and a lot of those are sort of entry level roles, and we and we grow these these um, these people up. And I think most of it is I don't know that it's boredom. I think it's um, it's the drive to have different experiences and and to sort of round themselves out. Um, and and not get stuck in kind of one role or one job, and so I think it's more a thirst for for knowledge and understanding more of that bigger picture and having the context of how each of the the, the components work. Um, and so so I would say that you know for for anybody out there trying to keep um, and, and you're right, this could be a whole other topic. Um, but for anyone out there just trying to keep uh, the you know your your millennial staff sort of engaged. Uh, one of the techniques that we use is we just do special projects. We're like, if there's something that, you know, we um, we use StrengthsFinder internally to understand what people are really good at naturally. Um, and that's a, a system developed by Gallup a long time ago, lots and lots of, of research uh, that goes into that. And so, so, um, so what I do on my teams is I look, uh, I look at people's strengths, try to figure out what are they naturally sort of just good at. Um, and then how do I maximize those strengths so that that person is happy in the work that they do? Um, and so we look for opportunities, special projects, and we're always, you know, moving the, the needle forward. And so as we look at the goals for the quarter that the team is doing and the things that we want to go drive tactically, we, we kind of look at the, the, the organization and we say, okay, who is like, who has got, you know, there's like this project and there's these five things that need to get done. All right. Who's like the social butterfly that's going to go? influence other teams and other departments outside of our organization to get things done and who's like the organizer person that just loves to create the plan um, and so we look at that and we we basically build these tighter teams um, around each of the activities giving those folks um, things that that, uh, that we know will fill that um, you know that that personal um, bucket that that engagement bucket if you will so matching uh, those skill sets yeah, yeah, and and so I think as long as you're getting people, um, uh, you know, they, they gotta feel like the work that they're doing is purposeful, um, and they they need you. You gotta play to people's strengths, and so you gotta figure out how do you do that, and whether that's in your own department or in other departments, and finding other ways for them to learn and grow. Um, you know, that I say I spend most of my time um, figuring out how do I best utilize and maximize um, our people. 
And, uh, and, and I think as long as you can do that, then, and you're keeping people engaged and they feel like they're making a difference and you're playing to their strengths, then, then you can keep millennials around. <laughs> yeah, for it takes work. It takes work. And it's not, it's not a hands-off activity by any, by any far stretch. No, of course. Uh, and so, so we, we've established that, um, millennials and and i think generations in between are, are more you know inclined to to move jobs if they are seeking a new challenge um or or, or looking to develop a new skill set as we discussed so and, and we've touched on culture already what are the the main tools that organizations like life size can use to incentivize those more more freely movable millennials and employee base to, to 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 first of all join in the first place but but then to stay and and do their personal development internally rather than you know necessarily moving elsewhere yeah absolutely so um so we have a very uh i always talk and 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 in all my interviews about you know kind of the three pillars people process systems um so, so just like uh, with, you know, uh, on my side of the house, net promoter, everything else, from, from a people perspective, we've got a lot of processes and systems that help us. So from a hiring perspective, um, we use top grading. And so top grading allows us to basically make sure that we're hiring the right cultural fits, right? Um, it, it, it helps with sort of like pattern recognition. So um, you start with, with somebody's like, uh, you know, even before high school and, and, and you start interviewing and you just continually ask kind of the same questions in a different way over and over and over again so that you get to the point where you can start to see a pattern in, in people. You know, are they people that, that continue to accelerate or are they people that gave up? Um, so we use, we use top grading from a, um, a recruitment perspective. That's one of the systems that we use. Um, and we also incorporate that with StrengthsFinder. So once somebody comes on board, we're doing um, a StrengthsFinder assessment, making sure that we understand their strengths, um, making sure they, they, uh, that we're leveraging those within the team. Um, because not every team member, as I mentioned, is um, is built uh, built the same, and so we want to make sure that we're we're leveraging those strengths. Um, and then we also have continuous conversations. So we use a method called keep, stop, start, um, which is part of uh, part of top grading. It's sort sort of the the um, uh, the, the uh, that, uh, you know post interview process. And what keep, stop, start allows us to do is have this continual conversation with our people. Um, we combine that with something called uh, there's a book out there called uh, Stay Interview. Interviewing, um, and so there's a lot of really good tips and techniques. And so we've got manager, uh, we've we've got new people manager training. So any people that we have that are either in leadership roles or that are kind of developing leaders, uh, we'll put them through that training, and we give them a lot of these tools and tips and techniques. Um, the keep stop start is just a continuous conversation that we have on a, a monthly basis with our employees, making sure that we sort of know. We're giving direct feedback to them on what's working and, and what's not working. And then they're also able to give direct feedback to us through some of the questions that we ask them with this state interview. Um, and so we, we pick a few questions each month on the state interview. Um, we have regular one-on-ones on our team. So each of my direct line managers has a weekly one-on-one. Once a month, they do the keep, stop, start, stay interview. Um, and, and ultimately, it's just a process that's built around that. And, and what that does is... It gives the structure that people need to have that continuous conversation because it's it's through those conversations that you're figuring out how do people want to be managed? Are they happy with what they're doing? Do they feel like they're overloaded, um, or do they feel like there's there's not enough on their plate? Are we not you know using them to their fullest potential? And and as long as the man the frontline managers are having those ongoing conversations, and you know I get engaged in a lot of that. I do we do uh, uh, another technique, a skip level. 
so, so I basically come in and I'll do a skip level once every six months with every single individual contributor and in, in my organization just to make sure, you know, um, that they're feeling okay, that they're doing okay. And we're sort of, you know, uh, I'm, I'm working with their frontline managers to make sure that everything that I'm hearing is just, you know, exactly what they're hearing. So, um, so a lot of, a lot of tools and techniques, um, that we use and, and a systematized process to make sure that the conversations are happening and that we're asking the right questions. I mean, as it's, there's simple questions such as, are you looking for a job anywhere else? And most people are so shocked by that question. They're like, oh my gosh, no. Or actually, you know, a recruiter reached out to me. But, but because it's a, a question that people aren't used to being asked and because we're hiring people who act with integrity and authenticity, so are very, you know, honest people, um, most of the feedback we get is like, I had one of my managers, he's like, yeah, you know, I had a, one of our competi competitors, uh, recruitment firm reached out and he's like, I was like, absolutely not. No way I'm ever leaving. But you know, they, they'll give you that information if you ask. Um, but if you don't ask, then you're sort of in the dark. And so it's, it's, it's that, that conversation is so important. Yeah. That, that open and honest communication is obviously critical and it, you know, it, you know, it treats people as adults and, and people ap yeah. appreciate that in turn. That, so those are some of the things that you can do, um, once and I used the word lure earlier, which I realised is absolutely not the right. No one, no one lures him. It's not like you have a cave and you lure employees into the cave. You know, um, but in t but in terms of not luring, in terms of attracting candidates in the first place, in, especially in a, in a business like like where it's a you know a technology business and there's lots of fantastic technology businesses out there. Uh, and I was I, I was at Enterprise Connect the other week, and I was speaking to um, a, a guy from a startup, and I, I, I won't mention him or the starter, but it seemed to have an incredibly. Uh, he just set up a new office. It was like an incredibly relaxed office. It had a football pitch in the middle. You know, a, a lot of the the tech startups, particularly, seem to offer a, a really um, you, you know youthful, interesting dynamic. And, and so, what are those things that you can do? initially to, to attract people to the, to the roles that you're advertising? Um, so I will say that it all starts with, um, you know, your kind of front door is the website and, and your, your career website. And so I would say, make sure that you, um, you put who you are. I mean, you know, you're going you're gonna to be honest with yourself about who your company is and what's important to you and what your values are. I would say defining core values is a, is, is a, huge, um, uh, a huge step for most companies because you're going to, that, that front door is going to attract people who uh, who, who sort of, um, and you've got to speak to them. And, and people will come to, through that front door when they're like, oh my gosh, this, like, I believe in the same thing this company believes in. So, so I would say that's number one. But those core values also kind of perpetrate through the environment. So like one of the things when I first joined my size, we were in um, our actual office. You make a good point because a lot of these tech startups are, um, and, and, and tech companies in general have, have got open office environments. And I'm a big believer in that because I'm a, I'm a huge believer in learning from overhearing. I think there's a, a big dynamic. It brings teams together and it's, you know, proximity matters. I, I you know, we use video. We were an amazing video, uh, collaboration company uh, and, and video is fantastic to connect people and, and, um, and being face to face and actually being in close proximity and, and using, the technology at our fingertips today is so critical in building those relationships with people. And so um, I think that the environment itself is, is huge. We, um, 
you know, we went from being a, a kind of what I call like a, I remember when I first came in, I was like, oh my gosh, I, you know, I come, I came from a, a, a totally open office culture. And, and when I joined Life Size, I was in an office again and I was, I thought I was going to go mad for like the first six months because I was like, where is everybody? I can't see anyone. I can't hear anything that's going on. And I realized that the walls were, I mean, they were barriers to communication. And so if you want to unlock that communication, that open office environment is such a great way to do that. And we've got people that we transitioned, mind you, they've been hardware engineers with our company since 2003. You know, so, so we, we span from millennials all the way up. We had a few people that just retired. So, so our age span um, for, from an employee basis um, is all over the kind of all over the map. Um, and we, we were able to transition into that open office culture. And it's been fantastic because people are now, they collaborate, they talk. You've got these different departments who never knew who each other were <laughs> in the past, like actually engaging and interacting and, um, and, and getting things done. And, and I think that's, I just think that's critical um, when, when, you know, when you're, when you're trying to not lure, but attract yes. <laughs> <laughs> into your company and look people are going to like it or they're not going to like it and and the ones that are like oh this is great this is dynamic you know you can feel the energy um you know in those in those types of environments you know you walk into an open office culture and just everything's buzzing uh, the, the energy sort of rolls off and we hear that from customers are like oh man when i walk into your office like i i i feel the type of company that you are you know and the, and, and they're like and that energy is so good so, um, so I think employees feel that as well, and, and and really that first experience from the website, and you know when they come in for interviews or, or they have an interview on video with multiple people, and they start to experience and see that that what you're saying on the website with those core values is actually what you're living in your in in your workplace. Um, I, I think that's the the way that that you attract the, the right talent. And and you've touched you've brought us on nicely to my my sort of final question, which is going to be the one piece of the jigsaw that we, that we haven't touched on it, it is the interview process itself whenever I think of a job interview and not that this has ever happened to me I think of walking in to a, a boardroom or an office with sort of a, a panel of scary looking and in my imagination it's normally scary looking men tapping down piles of paper who then grill me on various aspects and I'm assuming that the, the modern interview process, it, it, it isn't like that anymore. So I just wondered what your interview process was. And, you know, a, a, that must be something that also a, a, attracts people in because th- their interviewing the candidate is is effectively evaluating the employer at the same time, aren't they? Absolutely. And there is a um, there's a bit of evaluation from the employer side and there's a bit of selling as well because you know you find candidates and you're like oh my gosh like they're the one <laughs> yeah. you know, that's when that's when everyone goes into into selling mode so um we do we do use top grading as i mentioned and that gives um that gives us a kind of structured process and so when when we do um when we do interviews we use our technology quite a bit um to do those those initial um kind of screening interviews so uh, i'll use uh, my tech support uh, team as as an example so in tech support, you know, we want to make sure that people got it. They, they've got to have um, some some uh, some kind of basic technical skills for us to to be able to um, you know to hire them. They've got to have that that skill set level. Um, so we'll do a technical. We we engage. We kind of do a quick screening interview. 
Um, and then we do a technical interview just to make sure that, the, you know, that they've got the, the skill set and, and we move them to the next level. But in that whole interview process, it, in, in that next level of interviews, they interview with about four people. I interview every single tech support rep that we have. Um, I'm sort of the last leg in the process. And, um, and, and we have them talk to different people. So it's not just people on the technical support team that these folks are talking to. And mind you, this is, you know, um, these are, you know, there's a lot of time and energy that goes into just recruiting someone um, to, to, to help us with tech support. That's such a critical role in organizations. And, you know, these are people that are, that are, that talk with our customers the very most. And so we've got people around the organization outside of the, the, customer support functional area um, that are interviewing this this person for different types of skill sets. And so um, each person kind of has their role to play in the interview process. Um, and then I come in at the end and, and you know, my, my interview, I, I get all the information from the, the collective team um, before I go in and I'm really interviewing for customer service DNA. And just making sure that they're, they're a, a good a good culture fit, that they've got that that service DNA, um, and uh, and and that's sort of the the kind of closed loop. Um, and so that's what the and these candidates are talking to five or six people on average. Um, and it's important because a it it helps them. I think they realize like oh my gosh, this company really cares about who they hire. You know, it's um, and it's it also helps them get to get to know the team and the company. You know, they typically candidates, you know, as you sort of go through the process, different questions come up in your mind. And so it also helps to educate them on kind of what what the expectation is. And um, and so it's it's not an easy process, but we we spend a lot of time up front because, you know, making a bad hire is so expensive. Um, uh, you know, it, it, it depending on the position, it, it's, it just costs a lot of money. And you know, to, to, to hire the wrong person and then to onboard them. And then, you know, six months later, you realize they're not a great culture fit and they're not, you know, and you just wasted all of that time. And, yeah. um, and, and, you know, it's just not a great dynamic. So we spend a lot of time up front with multiple people, making sure we get the right people in the door. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so that's, that's, that's how we do it on, uh, at LifeSize. And they also, I will say that um, we, we try to get them on premise as much as possible so that they can feel that culture. Um, I think that's, that's super important. They try to get them, you know, meeting face to face with somebody, depending on where that's at globally, um, just so that they 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 have that that experience and they get to sort of sense the energy and the, and the culture that we built and, and the type of people that we have. So um, so we, we we always try to close the loop with uh, with making sure that we're we're meeting those folks face to face. And and a lot of times, if you know, for example, if it's an HQ, we're bringing people in from. Uh, you know, bringing people into headquarters uh, and, and doing all the interviews face to face. I got you. It makes makes a lot of sense. And 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 yeah. as good as you know the the life size video is, you know, it's always good to have someone you know in first person, isn't it? And and see what they're like and get that aura from them. Absolutely. But brilliant. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Massive thanks to Amy for coming onto the pod and educating me on the importance of people within businesses. Remember, you can find all of the Out Loud podcasts on Apple Podcasts if you search for Out Loud. Uh, we now have dedicated Microsoft and Cisco channels as well, so make sure to check those out for specific updates on those areas. Also, you can find all of the podcasts and the general channel on our website at uctoday.com under the subheading Podcasts. Thanks for listening.